Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Father's Day, everyone. It's so good to be with you today. Pastor Raf was looking very buff there as he was giving all those announcements. And uh, I hope that you spoiled your dad today with uh, bacon and eggs or pancakes and blueberries and maple syrup. And uh, look after your Father's Day. Dads, you're doing better than what you think you are in this season. As well as all the mums out there, you are amazing. You are the champions of this season in all that you are going through. And uh, we're just so excited. I'm excited to bring the Word today because God has put a uh, rhema fresh Word on my heart for you. It's gonna be a blessing to you on this day. What a privilege it is to be uh, called to lead Numa Church. My wife and I consider it an absolute honour and privilege. And whilst I wish we were together live at all of our different locations, I believe that the Word of the Lord is not restrained, it's not restricted, and it's gonna minister to you today. So why don't we pray wherever you are and uh, let's really uh, open up our hearts to what the Spirit wants to say to us today. Father, we just thank You for Your grace and Your goodness in our lives. We thank You, Lord, that You're a good, good Father and that, Lord, You care for us, You love us, You provide for us. And I pray for the reality of Your presence and the power of Your Holy Spirit to minister this Word into every single one of our hearts today. God, we just thank You for Your goodness and grace. We thank You, O God, that You are for us and that You're not against us. And Lord, I'm praying, O God, souls to be saved, bodies to be healed, minds to be restored. Lord, perfect purposes and dreams and callings, O God, to come back to life. And God, that Jesus would be high and lifted up, glorified through this Word today by the power of Your Spirit. Speak to us in this season, we pray in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, wherever you are, I want to invite you to turn with me to Numbers Chapter 13, Numbers 13. Uh, All this week, this passage of Scripture has been on my heart. And we're going to read from Numbers 13, uh, verse 25, through to chapter 14, verse 10. So there's a few verses that we're going to read together, but there's nothing like the uh, just public reading of Scripture. And so let's read it together. Uh, Verse 25 of Numbers 13. It says, At the end of 40 days, they, that is the 12 spies, returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Vegemites and Cellulites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea. That's a dad joke. And along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. 
for we are well able to overcome it. Then the man who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land through a bad report of the land that they'd spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the, the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim or the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. Note that in your Bible. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. What a fascinating passage of Scripture. I wanna speak to you today on the subject, God's promise or your problem. God's promise or your problem. Now, I, like you, have faced my fair share of problems. In the first 12 years of my life, I was diagnosed with acute asthma and I found myself each year in and out of hospital for 12 years straight. I was on intense medication every morning and every night. I was uh, like an experiment that the doctors were testing and, and finding things out over those 12 years. Such was the severity of the asthma that I had. And yet in the midst of that, I've seen God actually conquer that in my life. And I've been able to run from Sydney to Melbourne. I've been able to complete a uh, Ironman triathlon. I've competed at a state level in uh, powerlifting and athletics. And so I've seen that problem actually become a testimony of God's goodness in my life. Not only that, my early young adult years, I really struggled financially and made some poor choices, but I've seen God turn that around as I've honoured Him with the tithe and as God has really blessed our family as we've stewarded the resources that He's got. I, like you, have faced those relationships that have been challenging and broken, and yet I've seen the goodness of God reconcile and restore broken relationships in my family and in my friendships and in my life. The problems that you face right now 
may not measure up to the suffering that others are facing around the world right now. And we see in the news all the time, different things that are happening all over the world and, and, and we get perspective and go, okay, compared to that, I'm not really going through a whole lot of stuff. But the problems that you and I are facing are all relative to our lives. They're relative to the context, to the challenges and demands that we find ourselves in. If there is one constant in this world, it's that all of us are gonna face problems. In fact, Jesus prophesied it in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will face tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Acts uh, 14, 22. Paul has just been stoned at uh, Lystra and it wasn't because he'd been at a party. He was actually preaching the Gospel and uh, there, there was some persecution that was coming against him and he was ministering to the brothers and sisters of the Lord in Lystra and he said this, it's through many tribulations that we must enter the Kingdom of God. I'm not too sure Paul had the gift of encouragement because that's not what we really wanna hear today and yet there is a measure of truth to that, no matter what problem though you're facing right now, I wanna encourage you that God intends your future to be defined by His promises and not by your problems. And in this text, particularly if you look at the first verse of Numbers 13, you'll read that the Lord spoke to Moses and He said, "'Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, "'which I am giving to the people of Israel. God's original intention for Israel was to possess the promised land, not wander around in the problems of the wilderness, but to walk into full possession, to invade the promised land and possess everything that God had intended for them. One of the great temptations in adversity is we begin to allow our problems to define us rather than what God's Word has spoken over us. In the Gospels, we read about at the Pool of Bethesda, Jesus met a man who had been paralysed for 38 years. And he'd been sitting next to that pool and waiting for the waters to stir. In that day, the, the angel of the Lord would come and stir those waters and it would bring a ministry of healing to sick people. When Jesus walked up to this paralysed man, He said a very important question, do you want to be healed? And the man's response indicates that he began to define his life by his problem. And it had developed a victim mentality inside of him where he answers, oh, I've got no one to actually help me into the waters when the waters stir. But that's not the question that Jesus asked him. The question Jesus asked is, do you want to be healed? The right response is, yes, please. Can you help me? And Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. Sometimes we can live so long in the wilderness, we allow our problems to become the filter through which we approach our lives. Your problem today is not the final word on your life. God's promises are. You need to hear that again. Your problem is not the signature on the bottom of the contract of your life. Your problem is not the final word or the final authority on your life. I know the doctor said one thing, but that is not the final word and the final authority on your life. God's promises are. All throughout the Bible, God comes to individuals and He declares His promises over their lives. 
God came to Abraham and He said, you're gonna be the father of many nations. God comes to Joshua and He says, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. God comes to David and said, you shall not lack a king to sit on your throne after you. God comes to the disciples and before He ascends to the Father, Jesus said, I'm gonna send my promise of the Father to you being the person and power of the Holy Spirit. For us today as New Testament believers in 2 Peter 1.4, the Bible says we are partakers of God's divine nature through His precious and very great promises. What is the filter through which you are approaching your life today? Is your life defined by the problem, by the doctor's report, by the challenges that we see in the world around us? Or is your life being defined by the promises of God over your life? You see, it's important we understand though that with the promise also can come some problems because fulfilling God's promises doesn't mean you won't have to face some problems. The spirit of faith, the gift of faith does not deny the reality of the problem. It just chooses to believe the promise in the face of the problem. You see, the Bible says in Numbers 13, 27 to 28, that the 12 spies returned and told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us, they said. Oh, it flows with milkshakes and candy and this is its fruit. I mean, check out them apples. This is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw old Lofty out there, the descendants of Anak and the Nephilim are out there and there's giants in the land. And they came with this report that reflected their perspective on the situation. You see, the spies acknowledged the promise that God had given to them, but they were more enamoured with the problem. Promised land for Israel wasn't sitting on a beach sipping pina colada. The the promised land for Israel was pick up your sword and let's go to work and conquer some giants. The promises of God are gonna be inherited through faith and patience and through you embracing your divine design where you work and partner with the Spirit of God and the promises for your life to walk in the fullness of what God actually has for you. If you wanna be a giant killer, David, you're going to have to pick up your sling and your stone and you're going to have to face some giants. You see, a lot of people want a testimony, but they don't want to go through the test. You can't have a testimony without a test. And often those who are praying and believing for the gift of working of miracles and to move in supernatural power don't realise that that miracle working power is given because you need a miracle because you're going to face some things in your life that it's going to require you to believe the promise over the problem. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. And that's why we also utter our Amen to Him. Now, how many of us know between God's yes and your Amen is a whole lot of, Oh God, help me, because there is guaranteed pain between the promise of God and the fulfilment of the promise in your life. But that pain is necessary 
to develop the maturity required for promotion into God's purposes in your life. That's why in James 1, 2, it says, Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, the perspective you look at the facts from determines the report you live with. That's so good, I need to say that again. The perspectives you look at the facts from determines the report you live with. This is in fact what happened in this encounter. In Numbers 13 verse 30 to 32, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him, the other uh, 10 spies said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. All 12 spies returned with the facts of the situation. All 12 spies did not lie. They all came back with the facts of the situation. However, two brought a positive report based on faith, but 10 brought back a negative report based on fear. Two spies looked at the facts from the size of God's promise. 10 spies looked at the facts from the size of the problem that was in front of them. You and I in this season have got to guard our hearts from becoming more impressed by the size of the problem than we are with the size of God's promise for our lives. Never let the fear of an inferior fact steal your faith in God's superior promise in your life. There was nobody in the crowd on that day as they heard those 10 spies bring a negative report. There was nobody in the crowd who said, oh, I choose fear. Oh no, they would have said, let's choose wisdom. Because if there's one thing I've learned about fear, fear will always masquerade itself as wisdom. I heard someone say once, if you live in fear, your friends will call you wise, but you'll never move any mountains. I wanna tell you today that you gotta be so careful what you are feeding your soul with in this season. Are you feeding your soul with simply man's perspective on the facts of the situation or their perceived facts of the situation? Or are you feeding your soul with the promises of God's Word? Because whatever you feed your soul is gonna become the report card that you live with and become the lens through which you see the world. And if there's any group of people on the planet that should be basing their worldview and their perspective on the promises of God. It is the believers, it is the church. Let us not become unbelieving believers in this season where we take our cue from the spirit of the world rather than from the truth of God's Word. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. And it takes real courage to confront the facts that all of us are facing in this season with God's promises rather than give in to the fear of the problem in our way. You see, if you lose your faith in God's promises, you're gonna lose your reason to live. 
And this is what happens with an entire generation of Hebrews. The Bible says in Numbers 14, in the very next chapter, verses two to three, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Are you for real? Would that we had died in the wilderness. I'm like, are you serious? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? They're now putting on to God that they're gonna die. They're saying that God has brought them into this wilderness. God is allowing them to go through this pandemic. And oh, it's so terrible. Why is God allowing us to be in this? Why is God allowing us to die? They go on and say, not only that, but our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They've forgotten the 400 years of slavery. They've forgotten that they were, uh, you know, that their authority of Pharaoh was lorded over them and they couldn't do this and they couldn't do that. They've forgotten all the pain and the torment and all the little babies that were killed in that river because of all that they faced in Egypt. It's because when you lose your faith in God's promises, you lose your reason to live. Israel's fear-filled response became a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you often fear comes on you. And you gotta be careful what you're allowing your heart to entertain in this season and what you're allowing your spirit to be afraid of in this season, even though that may be a very real emotion or a very real attack upon you, because in Numbers 14, 28, this is God's response to their response. He says, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead body shall fall in this wilderness and of all your number, listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land that I've sworn to you except the two spies of faith, Caleb and Joshua. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How sad, how tragic, how terrible that an entire generation under the Old Covenant of Hebrews died in the wilderness because they lost faith in the fullness of the truth of God's promise. Anytime we become more intimidated by the problem than impressed with God's promise, we will lose hope. Because holding faith in God's promises insulates you from what will destroy others. I wanna tell you, we're in a wilderness in the natural right now. The whole earth in this season of lockdown restrictions and pandemics and all the challenges that some of us are facing that have never faced before in our generation or in our lives. We're we're in that wilderness, but I'm telling you, you shall not die, you shall live. You need to make a decision today that you will not allow that fear to get on you, that you will not allow that fear to become a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life. Let us not be those who fail to enter the fullness of the promises of God for our life, but let us be the Joshua and Caleb's of a different spirit, a different mindset, a different perspective, because we're more impressed with the promise than we are with the problems that we're facing around us in our lives. You see, when you believe God's promise is your mandate, your problem will become your meal. I love that because that's exactly what Joshua and Caleb declare to the people of God. In Numbers 14, 9, they said, Only do not rebel 
against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are a McHappy meal for us. They are pancakes and blueberries for us. They are bacon and eggs for us. They are bread for us. And they go on and said, their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I need some Joshua's and Caleb's in this hour. I need some people who are actually going to start to declare to the enemy of our soul, you are bread for us. You are brunts for us. There's a whole lot of 10 spies wandering around talking about the negative report of the world and how fearful and terrible it is. I've switched it off and I'm only listening to Joshua and Caleb's because I'm more impressed with the size of my God and the size of the promise than I am with the negative report of the spirit of the world. I'm not going to die in this wilderness. Neither are you and neither is Numa Church. We're going to march through this into the promised land of what God has for us because when the promise becomes your mandate, the problem becomes your meal. They are bread for us. Joshua and Caleb acknowledge the facts of the situation, but they're not impressed by the facts because their faith is fixed on the promise. Where is your faith fixed in this season? Is it only taking into consideration the facts, which are real, or is it fixed on the promise? Failure to enter into God's promises for your life, Joshua declares in this passage, is an act of rebellion against God. And the only way that you can deal with that is to repent of it, to have a change of thinking, a change of heart. In fact, when Jesus arrived on the planet in the flesh in Matthew 4, 17, He said, repent for the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. In other words, the only way that you can access the promises of the Kingdom of God is by changing your thinking. Natural thinking can't access supernatural realities. And so in the world that we live in and the challenges that we're facing, we're going to make a decision whether we're going to go and and go up the mountain with God and begin to think like God thinks or we're going to entertain the mindset of the spirit of fear of the world around us. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 5, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and so are my ways. If God's ways are gonna become your ways and my ways, then God's thoughts must become our thoughts because right thinking leads to right living, right? When you begin to think like God, you begin to access a dimension of faith that is greater than the size of the problem that is actually coming against you. And you begin to believe in that promise so much that your giant looks like brunch. It looks like morning tea. It looks like dinner. It looks like dessert. It looks like entree. You begin to look at the things that the world is throwing at us and you say, you are bread for me. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 23, 5, you prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. 
Talk about a contradictory sort of revelation. God, the master chef, is preparing for you a feast right under the devil's nose. And he's just allowing, and I reckon God's a pretty good chef. And he's just allowing that thing to just waft up into the devil's nose to let it stink in his nose and let him know, I'm coming for you. I'm gonna protect my people. And it's so important that you don't sit at the table of the feast that God is preparing for you and become more preoccupied with the problem than you do with the presence of the promise that is in your life. Whenever a giant comes knocking on your door, I face them, you face them, maybe you're facing one right now. Whenever a giant comes knocking on your door, just tell him, sit down, take notes, you are bread for me. I am not going to die in the wilderness and I am not going to die in the face of the problem that I may find myself coming against in this season. And the most wonderful reality of the promises that God gives to us is that the promise of God's presence is the guarantee of God's protection despite your problem. Let's say that again. The promise of God's presence is the guarantee of God's protection despite your problem. How do I know that? Because of Numbers 14.10. The Bible says, All the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Just when it looked like Joshua and Caleb were about to attend a Rolling Stones concert, all of a sudden in that moment, the glory of the Lord appeared to them. All throughout the Bible, God comes to individuals and promises, I will be with you. God came to Moses when he was afraid of being called to be a deliverer of God's people. And God says, I am with you. God comes to Joshua and He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. God comes to Jeremiah and says, I am with you to deliver you. God comes to the disciples and says, behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what problem you are facing right now, the promises of God's presence is the guarantee of His protection over your life. You know, when I was itinerant, travelling all over the world, at times the demands, the challenge, the expectations of people that I'm ministering to was so overwhelming that I felt powerless, I felt weak. I didn't feel like I had what I needed. But in that moment, I would hear a word, Son, I am with you. And that one phrase was all that I needed for the courage to to face and confront the challenges and demands that I was facing in my life. You and God are a majority. I'm telling you, and I prophesy the glory of the Lord is about to appear across our city. The glory of the Lord is about to appear in your life. The glory of the Lord is coming to your household. The glory of the Lord shall manifest in your business and in your workplace. The glory of the Lord is about to come and protect you because the promise of God's presence is that guarantee that no matter what you are walking through, no matter what you and I are going through, God will be with us despite the problems that we face. You've got to make a decision today. Is it God's promise or is it my problem? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It will be His promise that prevails in our life and in this church. And I pray in your life and wherever you are right now, Right now, I just want to invite you to actually 
just uh, stand to your feet right now and be a part of this prayer moment as we just begin to pray and declare this truth to be a reality in your heart and in your life. Father, I thank You so much today for Your goodness and for Your grace. We prayed it at the start. We pray it again on this Father's Day. We thank You, O God, that the promises of God are yes and amen. And in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the demands of things that we are facing, God, we just pray right now in the Name of Jesus that the power of Your Holy Spirit would come and apply this Word and take this Word into our hearts and into our minds and the truth of it, O God, would prevail over the intimidation of the enemy that may be coming against us. Father, we thank You that the promise of God will prevail over every problem that may come against us. Lord, we honour You, we love You, we give You all the glory, we give You all the honour and we commit ourselves to You today. And Father, I pray for people that are facing real pain in this season, that have just received a a, a negative report uh, about their health, people who are going through real challenges. Lord, You care about us in that that challenge. You, You have compassion for us when we face those problems. And Father, I thank You today that You have not given us a spirit of fear to cower away, bunker down and to actually retreat from the front line of Your calling and purpose for our life. But Lord, today You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You've given us the truth of Your Word and You've given us Your presence that despite whatever we face, O God, that Your presence will strengthen us, support us and protect us as we face the problems in our lives. God, we honour You today. We love You. And we just commit this moment to You right now in Jesus' Name. You know what? We're just gonna take a moment to worship and then I wanna just pray with you again for some people. So let's just take a moment to honour God and worship Him as we allow this Word to be applied to our hearts and lives. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.